0: Want to uh, welcome a group that we have here from Adventure Experience over on Taylor Park. Uh, you guys wave your hands back there, if you will. Up here. Okay, all around. So these are uh, some uh, Christian young adults that are leading uh, Adventure Experiences for youth. Uh, am I getting that right? Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's so great to have people. You know, the gospel's going out in all kinds of different places and ways. In our valley and in the nearby valley. So excited to have you guys. Welcome. Love to have you whenever it's possible for you to be here when work allows it. Uh, I want to just thank all of you that have been uh, praying for my family and uh, we've had a pretty crazy week, I guess you could say. Great news. My son graduated from Arkansas last week and so we went to get him. So that was really a great thing. And then my mom's funeral was the next day. Uh, so that was a hard thing, but you know, a nice balance and a few other things. I injured myself again, um, so uh, that was another little. You know, there's always something, and and then uh, you know the the cap on it all was sending my daughter Sarah to away because um, she graduated and and she's headed off. So that one gets me when I think about it. It's sort of like the the hardest part, but um, that's where we are. Kind of, of, I guess I'm overall a little bit sad, but I'm excited to have my son home. That's really good stuff. Uh, All right. Having said that, thank you for praying. Uh, Appreciate that. It's been kind of a roller coaster, but we're back, and and we'll be in town for a little while now. Uh, We're in this uh, series. This is part four, I think, of the series in the Book of John called "So That You May So That You May Believe." And John's telling these stories. Uh, trying to encourage us to know that, and this is what John says, I'm telling you this so that you will know that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. He's the one who can make it right between you and God, between the world and God. He's the one. He's trying to point that out. He's he's created uh, this book of just of the ministry years, these stories of the ministry years of Jesus, to to convince us, to give us confidence, to remind us, to get us to go back and go, okay, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that encouraged me. Okay, he's trying to help us to believe. And this story is definitely one of those, this thing that happens that we're going to read about. We're going to be in uh, John 3. And this is the story, and some of you may be familiar with it, of Nicodemus and Jesus. Uh, Nicodemus is a guy who's uh, uh, part of the spiritual elite he was a, a, rab, a rabbi. He was a, a Pharisee, if you know what that is. He's a guy who has uh, got a lot of power, and he actually he's part of a group. Not just he's not just one of them in the community. He is he is at the top level. So he's he's got a a uh, actually a political and spiritual purpose in the community in the in the whole uh, an all all around Jerusalem and that, and that whole area with all of the Jews. So this guy is a a significant person. And of course, Jesus is on the way up. He's sort of a rising star right now in terms of uh, speaking for God. The people don't know who he is, but something's happening. He's doing these signs. So there are these two people that are going to come together in this story. And I, I know I may have mentioned this to you guys this last uh, uh, winter. I was This may help set up the story a little bit. I was riding the lift up uh, on the mountain and it was myself and uh, three other people, and it was it was a dad. He, he was a little bit older than me and a couple of 20-something uh, kids. And they get on. I didn't know they were related until we're riding up the lift, and the sun is on the end. I've learned it was the son. And he leans out, and he goes, Dad, I need to ask you something that's really, I'm really, really struggling. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, back, you know, Kim, like, how can I get out of, you know, like, not pay attention? And he says, like, two times, this is, Dad, this is really weighing on me. This is serious. This is a big deal. I'm really struggling. Like, is he going to tell his dad something, like, really hard right here? And, and the dad goes, well, well, talk to me about it. And the, and the, kid, the son goes, uh, he said, I'm really struggling with how to understand dark matter. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a physics problem. He's a physics problem a space-time continuum problem. Like, I just entered Star Trek right here. And so they, you know, I'm thinking, I'm totally relieved that they're not going to have this cathartic family experience beside me. And uh, it turns out that it's something I can't even understand. They're ta- and they start talking about, you know, dark, black holes and matter disappearing and can that happen and all this. I'm like, okay, so I'm, you know, I'm relieved. But this conversation that they're having is just beyond me but i'm i'm a part of it i 'm hearing it i 'm right there in the chair with them and uh, I mean they might as well have been having it over me. It was so loud and awkward but um I just happened to be on the end but in a way, this conversation with jesus between Jesus and Nicodemus is a little bit like that these These guys are at the top i mean Nicodemus is a well trained he knows the Bible inside and out he's been a leader he's he has a lot of responsibility around that he's he's a a smart, smart person. And of course, he's, he's interacting with Jesus, who has all those things as well. So this is very deep uh, conversation that's happening. And we're going to see, uh, we're going to overhear it, as John tells it. And if you were just to read this, and we weren't to talk about it, and, and as I read, I'm like, man, this is deep stuff. I'm not sure. You really have to sit there with it. So as we read it in a moment, I think it, you'll, you'll be like, okay, I see what he's talking about. But just remember that. We're going to uh, try to look at some of the the pieces of it so we understand it better, but it is it 's deep and probably beyond uh, even some of what we can understand but something that 's interesting about it is that this inner this interview that Nicodemus has with Jesus happens at night so it's it 's dark and it 's dark like it is here, no street signs, so street lights so he's, he he can 't be seen it's it 's inconspicuous and there 's no crowd so for some reason jesus is you know, said it's okay to have this interaction with him kind of offline. They're going to meet together, and Jesus has been surrounded by people all the time, his followers or people who want something from him or people that want to hear what he has to say. So they're in this uh, safe place where Nicodemus can ask him these questions that he has. Well, but the thing is, Nicodemus has questions, but he never actually uh, expresses the big one. He never... Says what he really wants to say. He it, and we'll, you'll see that in just a moment. Uh, he has seen Jesus. He's mystified by who Jesus is. He's seen these things happening. He knows that God is with Jesus, but he doesn't know. Uh, he's, he's trying to. See, he's seen something different, and it's diff, it, it fits with what he knows, but he's trying to make it make sense. So he's he's having this this uh, conversation to, to really ask this question how can I know God? This is the thing that the Nicodemus wants to find out. How can I truly know God? And y'all, that applies to us no matter where we are spiritually. If you are, have been a Christian your whole life, like from a young age on, we are consistently having to ask ourselves, how do I know God more fully? We may be in relationship with God through Jesus, but how do I know him? How do I get closer to him? How do I understand who he is better and have that inform my life? But if we're at a point where we're still exploring that, what does it mean to know God? This is a great example of, of a guy coming in in a private place where he has questions and he wants to interact with Jesus. And Jesus meets him. He meets him there. So how can I know God is the question. But he also knows what he wants the answer to be like. And here's the thing, if you're, especially if you're a Christian, and even if you're not, when we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I, I, I need you to answer, I need your, we know what we we usually know what we want the answer to be, right? There's some lines that we've drawn. We want Jesus to color in the lines, right? Fill in the blank with exactly what we think it should be. That's, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how we operate. We want, it, we want the answer to fit with our worldview, we want the answer to fit with our culture, with what's going on in our life, with what the problems are that we're facing, with the the things that we've learned, we've heard from someone. We want an easy answer that kind of takes care of everything for us. Or, or I do when I go to... That's what I'm looking for, and I, and I think you guys understand what I mean. Let's, let's look at the passage, and, and let me see if you guys follow this. Now, remember... Uh, this guy that we're reading, this is chapter three and we're going to start in verse one. Uh, Nicodemus is a very literal person. Uh, He he wants a specific kind of answer from Jesus and Jesus is not going to give that to him. And in Nicodemus, again, he doesn't ask the question. It's almost like he saddles up to Jesus and and he gives Jesus like a little blank piece of paper, like a post-it note, like, Give me your answer on this post-it note. And Jesus kind of blows that all out of the water. All right, so here we go. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these these signs that you do unless God is with him. No question asked. And Jesus answered and says, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Remember, this guy's real literal. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus is like, okay. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Now, Jesus is going deep here. Remember, these guys are on a different plane. They're way out there. Okay, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not know, understand these things? Truly I say to you, we, he means himself and his followers, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Okay, pretty deep conversation, right? Nicodemus wants a simple answer to how is he to know God? He's been taught these things. He's learned all these things. He's seeing something different in Jesus. How do I know God? And the the way we know that he's asking that is when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, and, and I'll explain this in a moment, but he's saying, how is it? that I can understand or be a part of the kingdom of heaven which is to be in the presence of God, which is to know God. That's what he's looking for and Jesus is just responding to that, doesn't even ask and Jesus knows. But here's the thing and this is why John writes the book. Believing, Believing this, that you must be born again, that this really is a spiritual thing, that this really isn't just a list of simple answers, this is a spiritual thing. That is is a challenge. It is a challenge to believe that, and, and this is what we want to unfold today. There are challenges to believing, and I think all of us have experienced them, regardless of where we are in our faith journey with Christ. Three things that I want to point out to you: one, these are things that can inhe- inhibit the journey; that bl- are barriers to belief. The crowd, yourself, and Jesus. The crowd, yourself, and Jesus. These are three things that inhibit us, that pre- prevent us from believing. So let's, let's look at these for a moment. Uh, the idea of the crowd being something that blocks us. I guess I'll just say it this way, that the crowd will not make it easy for you to believe. And by the crowd, I mean immediate family, friends, coworkers, uh, schoolmates, uh, community, the world, the influences that we have, professors, teachers, people who, who speak into our lives, the crowd will not make it easy for us to believe. So let me ask you this as, as we unfold the next step or two of this. Who, are the, who is the crowd in your life? How would you define the crowd? Who is the crowd that's speaking into your life? And is that crowd... Causing you to move forward in belief or hindering you from that. It's okay to have both. We need to have both. That's the way the world is. But we, it's good to identify who the crowd is that's speaking into your life. And, and I'll give you an example of how the, even the closest part of us can uh, can impact us. Our, uh, this is fairly poignant to me because I'm sending kids off to college right now. And some of you have done that and some of you haven't. But some of you have just come back from that. But here's something that... Uh, we do as parents uh, in a community. We, we tell our kids that the best thing that you can possibly do is go get an education, right? Or, and that's not always the truth, but we often will say, you go get an education, go get college. You know, that's the thing. And then when we take them to college, we help, we help them pick out a place and it'll, the thing that will best meet their needs and lead them to the next level and help them have, make a career and things like that, right? Totally normal. But here's the thing that so many of us will miss, and, and that's this. We will um, we'll focus all on the academics and maybe sorority or fraternity or things like that and never focus on what we say, is if we're Christians, is the most important thing in our life, and that's knowing Jesus. So if I'm going to go off to a new place and start in a whole new, uh, totally uh, destabilizing world, wouldn't the best thing that I could do to help a child engage is help them in, engage spiritually? That's probably the best thing I can do. But as a parent, I'm thinking, okay, education, or get a good job, or do all these things that are important, but then they're not the most important thing. And even as a family member, the most important thing, or a person in the community who's seeing someone go off, the most important thing we can do is help them stay connected to Jesus. Because what's going to help you in in life? Money? Anybody feeling that? Or knowing Jesus? Which one? But we spend all this time arranging our lives and going through 12 years of, high, of you know, elementary through high school and then getting this education or whatever, these experiences. And if we're not building Jesus into those and our family's not telling us and our, the people who are raising us aren't telling us that, then we're missing something. And that's where we as friends and body come together to help these families raise their kids. Say, hey, don't forget, the most important thing you can do is to follow Jesus. Then get your experiences, learn, work, go, go to school. So the reason I'm saying all that, it's very easy even for people in right that you trust the most to inadvertently not help you in your belief. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we, can, dis, we can distract without even knowing that we're doing it. Then the, Another piece of this is that Nicodemus meets Jesus alone, by himself. And Jesus accommodates that request, however that came about. You know, did he send a note and say, hey, can we meet? But Jesus does. And I think it's really important to note that for ourselves. Jesus meets us where we are. And so the question is, when was the last time that you or I set aside everything for long enough that we could actually spend time with Jesus alone, with no other distractions? So that everything else melted off, that we let everything else go, and then we sat there without our, any kind of device or any kind of connection to the outside world and had time to talk to Jesus and listen. When was the last time that happened in your life? It is really hard to do. Like, real quick, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some coffee and spend some time I'm going to pray and journal a little bit and read my Bible. Well, okay. When was the last time you got alone? See, Nicodemus is exploring Jesus, trying to find out who he is, and he gets alone with him with no distractions, and he, can, he doesn't even know what to ask Jesus. And Jesus goes right to it with him at his level. You see how cool that is? And that's that's available to us. That is who he is. So I want to ask you to ask yourself that question and perhaps set aside that time. There's no better place to do that than here. And you guys that you guys are leading an adventure experience have that opportunity yourselves and to give that to other people to get away and to stop everything and to have time with, with Jesus. It's huge. One other thing about this and the crowd, so the 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 these things that influence us and, and crowd out who Jesus is and our ability to believe. That crowd will judge you, and all of us, if you're a, all of us who are believers, have felt the judgment of the crowd. Whether it's our teacher or a friend or a family member who just lays it on, and says, Psh, or you know what they're thinking when you say, "Yeah, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus." Even if they if you haven't said it and they know it, you feel the judgment. The crowd will, will not help us believe. And Jesus says later in the, in the gospel, he says, hey, this is going to be hard. Just know it's going to be hard. You're going to suffer because people are going are to put burdens on you and, and reject you because of me. So be ready for it. So the crowds will not help us in our belief. They will always be a barrier or often be a barrier. All right, second Uh, We, you, me, we are barriers ourselves to belief. Just what we bring to the table, we are barriers to belief. And Nicodemus is just that. He he comes to Jesus, he says, Hey Jesus, I think you're kind of a special guy. And Jesus then answers him in verse 3, he says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. We need to stop and talk about this idea of the kingdom of God because this is what Nicodemus is wrestling with. Uh, so the kingdom of God is something that has a ton of information packed into it. It's from the beginning of the Bible to the end, the kingdom of God is just a... Oh man, we, we could never talk enough about it. But if I could just say uh, a few words, I would say the kingdom of God is that place in which all things are right because it is the presence of God. In the presence of God, all things are right. His kingdom has existed from all time past to all time and will for all time future. And in the scripture, you see the earliest days that are described in Genesis, we see the kingdom revealed in a real way, God's kingdom on earth. And then we see through the scripture, this idea of it being that kingdom being broken, set aside because of sin. Sin's entered the world. The kingdom of God is set aside, but there are there are bits and pieces of it that we can feel and experience. And that's where that relationship with Jesus is so important. And then there is a future kingdom of God, a reality where all things are under him. This final time that will come where all sin will be done away with and, and God will absolutely rule everything. That doesn't mean that he isn't ruling now, but sin in this world has prevented his, uh, is, he is allowing Man, this is, see, it's a really hard thing to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to lead you uh, down the wrong path by saying something incorrect. We are suffering the consequences of sin, and that is the, that is a broken relationship with God, which means the kingdom of God is not in the the same way we, we are not experiencing it like we could. And that's what Nicodemus is looking for. And Jesus says, uh, Jesus says, you're going to have to be born by the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, okay, wait, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. Would, would I have to be reborn? You know, I, he's, it's so hard for him because he wants to do the thing that we want to do. We want to work our way to clean ourselves up to be right for God. This is how we operate. We're always, we say things like, oh, man, I, I, um, I didn't go to church. Or I didn't do this thing, or I didn't have a quiet time, or I didn't, um, or I did this towards this person. We have all of these things that we stack up, and we either disqualify or qualify ourselves based on those things. It's just what we do. And Jesus is saying it doesn't have anything to do with that, it's by the Spirit of God. And and Nicodemus wants to have a little list on a little post-it note of what he does to know God. And Jesus says, no, it's by the Spirit. Uh, And then he says, I don't know if you noticed it when we read it a minute ago. He says, how can these things be? He's been taught and he's taught all his life that you do certain things to be in relationship with God. And now he's hearing that it's all about God doing something to make us have the opportunity to be in relationship with Him, and so Jesus says to Him, "Did you notice?" He says, "Are you not a teacher of Israel, and you don't know this?" He's supposed to know the Bible, the Hebrew Scripture inside and out, and I think Jesus is referring to this place in Ezekiel. At least this is Ezekiel thirty-six. We'll put it up here. Ezekiel is one of the prophets of God from from quite a few number of years before, and in God is revealing something to Ezekiel. And he says this in verse 26. He says, about all of the nation, all people. He says, I will give a new heart, a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will put it within you. And I will remove a heart of stone from your flesh and and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And to be careful to obey all my rules. So he's saying, there's gonna come a time, Ezekiel, when it's no longer gonna be the rules that you follow, but what it's gonna be is so I'm gonna put my spirit in your heart, I'm gonna write my law in your heart, and because you believe, then you will do the things I've asked you to do. Then you will follow me. We put, it, we put the car before the horse and we say, if I do all these things right and I clean myself up and I'm good enough and, and I'm all right, then I can talk to God. Then things will be right. I'll be in that space. And, and Jesus is saying, and God is saying to Ezekiel even before that, that's just not how it works. We know, we come to know Jesus, his law is written on our hearts, and then we follow him. That's how he says, then when my spirit is within you, I'll cause you, and it will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all of my rules. We, we want to put it the other way around. And here's what, I love the illustration that God gives Ezekiel right after that. I have to share it with you. So it's in the same passage, it's just one chapter later, and, and God gives Ezekiel this vision of being in a valley full of bones human bones. So it's a pretty dark and, and scary thing. He says they're dry. And God says, um, I am going to revive these bones. And he asked, even asked Ezekiel, can can this be done? And let me, let me read this to you. It's just uh, three verses in Ezekiel 37. And the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel, and he brought me Out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Pretty creepy picture. And he said to me, son of man, how can these bones live? I love how Ezekiel answers this. You know, only you know. You know, it's a great... He just puts it back on God. I have no idea. You take care of it. Only you know. And God says they can, you are right, they can live. And what he does is after that he says, I'm going to breathe my spirit into them. I'm going to put sinew and flesh and muscle on them and I'm going to reanimate them. I will bring bones to life. It's the same thing he was saying earlier. There is a, there is a relationship, a living relationship that's possible with the God of the universe, but it only happens by the Spirit of God. The bones could not, this is the point, could not animate themselves. They could not do anything at all to make themselves alive. But with the Spirit of God, they're able to be made alive. And this is the same situation that we are in and the same one that Nicodemus was in, but he's resisting it. He wants to be born again, literally. How can I make this happen? We are incapable. and We don't have to be good enough. All right, so there is the crowd that is a barrier to belief. Then there's just how we think and how we're wired that is a barrier to belief. And then finally, Jesus is a barrier in that he, he does make it simple. He makes the information simple, but the information is not easy. He says, simply, the solution here, Nicodemus and us, is that you must be born again. This, this is the simple, simple truth to be restored into relationship with God, to know the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And what that means is that something was wrong with the first time we got born. Did I say that right? The first time we were, that was kind of a Texas way of saying that. First time we got born we done got born. I should have said that. When we were first born, there was a problem because now there needs to be a a rebirth, a new birth. So we have to accept the fact that there was a, a brokenness when we were born. And we just dedicated these beautiful little children and those of you who had children, you know, you first, you start out, you have a kid, you go in the hospital and it's all beautiful and everything. And then when they cry all night, you're like, oh man. You know, and then they do, they punch their little brother or whatever they do. And, you know, you start to realize there's something maybe going on and you, they become a little less beautiful. Um, what, there was a time uh, I was in college and I I was uh, speeding through a state park in my uh, uh, truck, and um, I was having a great time, and I got pulled over, but I was so sure that I wasn't speeding. I was sure. I was so sure, and I got this, you know, big, huge ticket, and so I'm like, and he had a court date, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to court. I'll show those guys. There is no speed limit sign there, and I was going, I was just, this is ridiculous. So the date came, you know, however much longer, and I went after that, and I went to the, to the, um, To court, and I go in there and like my cutoffs and my tank top, and um, it was a long time ago, so probably my op shorts. For those of you are old enough to know what that means, and I go in and I sit down, and there's the officer, fully decked out, like just got a haircut, and um, looking totally sharp. And here's in the lawyer in a suit and all this stuff, and there are charts and pictures of the speed limit signs and everything else. And they just proceed to show every chance I had to know that I was speeding, everything about it. And I just sat there and ended up paying a humongous ticket because of that. I was so guilty, and I thought I was home free. I thought everything, but the truth was that I was guilty. That as free and easy as I thought it was and how fine I thought I was. This is the hard news about this, is that there's a brokenness in, in our first birth. and in, in being human, we have a brokenness. And so we have to understand when Jesus, he, so much is packed into the depth of this passage. When he says you have to be born again, it means there's a problem with the first. And that new birth is not something we earn, or we do it right, or we go back in time and fix stuff and do it right. No, no. And, that, and I'm going to close with this. Um, this is a, you probably knew this was coming. John 3.16 is at the end of this. You know, and that's a beautiful passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He, so the beauty is that we don't start over Physically but that Jesus steps in and makes it possible simply by belief, simply by belief for us to be in relationship, to understand at least what we can right now of the kingdom of God. So how do I know God? How do I experience him? How how does that happen? It happens. How am I born again? Simply by belief. So wherever you are spiritually, wherever you are, if we, can, if we can go to that point and remember that Jesus is, he's, he's even having this interview with Nicodemus because he, he wants to be sure that we understand that it isn't about anything that we can do, but that we can be in a relationship with God. We can experience some piece of the kingdom of heaven now in and in experience it in its fullness in a time to come when everything is made right. Only because the Spirit makes it possible And our our simple act is to believe. There are challenges to belief. All we're asked to do is believe. That's it. I'm going to pray. Father, uh, so wherever you are with each of us, wherever we are seeing the crowds and even the closest crowds uh, influencing us, God, Lord, may we... Um, not be inhibited in belief, God may our own constitution, the way that we are, the way that we 're wired, the way that we question our doubts, the things that go on in our heads and our hearts, Lord help that not help us to be honest with those things and to be real with those things, but also to know God, that, that you have overcome them. and God that simply it is by Jesus and, um, that, that we, are, we are able to know you and experience the kingdom your kingdom. I thank you for that. Uh, Lord, thanks for these friends, chance to be together uh, this morning. Beautiful day, some warmth to go out into. Lord, uh, thank you for your community that's right here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great afternoon. You guys that are in the leadership, we'll have our meeting in a 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes.